Hello, it's Chuck from Above the Basement, Boston Music and Conversation. Before I begin, I am proud to announce that Above the Basement has been nominated for two 2020 Boston Music Awards, Music Podcast of the Year and Live Music Stream of the Year. We would, of course, love your vote. The nominees this year are crazy good, and we are excited but not surprised that so many former and future guests are also nominated. So just like in the upcoming election, your vote matters. Support us and Boston Music by voting at bostonmusicawards.com forward slash vote. Thank you for your support. Every time we ask someone in the music business, what is the most exciting thing happening in music in the city of Boston, we always get the same answer. Hip-hop. Not only has hip-hop become the most popular music genre in the rest of the world, but Boston has become a hotbed of fantastic hip-hop artists like our next guest, Brandy Blaze. Brandy is nominated for Breakthrough Artist of the Year at the Boston Music Awards and is, uh, yeah, blazing her own path with her powerful and energetic performances. Her onstage persona is fierce with socially conscious but also unapologetically explicit lyrics. She gives credit for her success to her mother, who she says raised her to be aware of the world she lives in, as well as other Boston hip-hop artists like Dutch Rebel, Mo Pope, Oompa, and her collaborator in music, Red Shades. But she doesn't seem like someone who needs a leg up. Brandy describes herself as a trap feminist, which she'll explain in the conversation. She is also devoted to her offstage work with the Dorchester Arts Project, as well as being a program manager at Mission Safe. Her last album, Late Bloomer, got everyone's attention, and we can't wait until she grabs our attention again with her next album coming out next spring. So here is our conversation with Brandy Blaze, recorded at Woodsale Table in Concord, Massachusetts. Well, thank you for coming. Thank you guys thank for, for having me. Out. This is so amazing. I'm so excited. Well, it's been an amazing week for you since you were nominated for, what's the nomination for again? I think it's, it was a Breakthrough Artist of the Year. Breakthrough Artist of the Year. It's crazy. That's pretty good. I like that. That's a no good. No pressure. I know, right? None at all. <laughs> I wonder what, like, what is the criteria for a Breakthrough Artist of the Year? Like, because you're not coming from nowhere because you were nominated last year. Um, from what I saw on the site, it's last year it was Unsigned Artist of the Year. They okay. Just changed the title. So they changed it. But who's signed? Yeah, I know. That's I mean, the like, thing. that's like, like, isn't that a '90s thing? That's like very people signing. Most or? people aren't signed. They yeah, just kind of... I mean, like Stiz and like Bia. Yeah, but the rest of us know. All right. Well, that's very exciting. When did well, you? Cheers. Yeah. When did that's you find? Great. Uh, Here, clink. Clear. Clink. 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 <laughs> when did? How did you find out that you were nominated? Um, I went on the website when the nominations came out. <laughs> I was literally online. I was talking to Christina. I was online, and I'm like. Oh, I forgot they're supposed to do the nominations today. And I'm like, oh, maybe they're up now. And then we looked, I'm like, up, oh, they're not up now. And all of a sudden, they were up. I was more happy for my DJ than me, honestly. That's who I was really looking for. Because <laughs> I oh, was like, I hope she gets nominated. Yeah, because she was nominated, right? Yes, yeah, she was. Yeah, that's great. So when you say you're a DJ, is she the one who does all the music on your... So hot? she doesn't produce, but she does all my shows with me. Yeah, and yeah. we've been working together what kind is her of name? Like on her album, um, Why Sham. So she's nominated for what? DJ of the year. DJ of the year. Excellent. And that's live and studio, right? Will she be in the studio with you, like kind of going over tracks? Because a lot of your tunes will start off with kind of like a vibe and it'd be like kind of a melody line and kind of draw you in. 
Is that so, is she responsible for a lot of that stuff, or do you do that too? So this is going to be the first. I'm working on my third album right now. Yeah. Um. So this is actually going to be the first album that she's been like involved in the creation of it. Yeah, um. Yeah. Because she literally built a studio for me huh. because my engineer moved to LA. She built a studio for you where? Um. She has a studio space at Dorchester Art Project. Oh, okay. So she built a studio. You have an affiliation with with Dorchester Art Project, or, or I'm on do... the advisory board for the Brain Arts. We're, we're going. We're going to yeah. go talk to um. Who's the gentleman who runs? Um. Sam. Uh, Sam. We're going to oh, talk he's to amazing. Sam, I love and we're going to get a tour of it. Dorchester Art Project yeah, really right. all of a sudden was like boom and everyone was talking about it. They really have a big footprint right now in Boston. Yeah, they're amazing. Like I love them to death. They're yeah. amazing. And then now I'm on their advisory board, which and is it's great. And I dope. love that it's in Dorchester too. Um, I know so, they're so literally across the street board. from Fields Station. I hope it's in Dorchester. Were you, were you there? It's called Dorchester Art Project. That's right? It's <laughs> a good point. Were you there in the very beginnings of the project? Yeah, so I actually knew Sam before there was a Dorchester Art Project. Ah, so you were there with the whole burgeoning idea. Yeah, like when he said he was going to do it, I was like, okay. What was the idea? Kind of like to have a space where people could throw shows and have art studios like in the city that's yeah. affordable. Like he doesn't charge a whole lot to rent the space out for a show. Yeah, He doesn't charge a whole lot for like artist space. Um, and that was really kind of like the point is Dorchester's art project has been like really huge for hip hop artists too. Right. Yeah. We have a harder time booking venues. That's just reality. So right. having a space like that where you can book a venue up to 100 people, if you could sell that out, that makes you a lot more attractive to like the other venues because like you have like a proven track record. So, you know, money talks. Yeah, bodies, putting bodies in there. You're on the board. When COVID hit, is that something that you guys like are trying to get creative about how you do that now yeah so they actually dorchester art project like where it's at when you guys will see it it's like you go upstairs in mm. this building and they have the top floor they actually just got the bottom floor huh. so they're like expanding like even bigger now so that they can have more like artist studios they can have a rehearsal space like all types of other things but all of my shows that I've been doing streaming, I pretty much have done all of them at Dorchester Art Project. Oh, are they able to have live shows with a minimal audience? Not right now, no. Nothing. But people can go there and rent it out to what about do us? like their streaming shows and things like that. So that's what I've been doing. Is yeah, because the streaming is like, even though it's not as much the revenue, I would imagine it keeps it alive. Yeah, now I'm at Dorchester Art Project way more than I was before. Oh, really? <laughs> like We're, I said, um, Sham is there. She has her studio there. So mm. when I stream shows, I'm always with her. So that's where we go. It just makes sense. Like everything, her studio is beautiful. But then also, you know, you have the theater, which is beautiful as well. It makes everything look great, sound good. So And artist studios means music and like Yeah, there's photographers, visual arts and, yeah. there's visual artists, yeah. Great news. Yeah, they're amazing. That. I'm so happy they're expanding, too, because it's yeah. like they can help way more people now. Uh, you said you were coming from work? Yeah. Where, where are you working? So my main job, I'm a program manager at a nonprofit called Mission Safe. Mission Safe, right. Um, and then on the weekends, I work at a, it's a, a, a transitional housing shelter. Oh, cool. So like long-term young adults. Oh, where and where is that shelter? Um, Somerville. Oh, okay. We ha we've had a little bit of a um, connection with Bridge Over Troubled Waters. You know okay, those? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is so I work for Wayside on the weekends. Okay. And what do you do for the nonprofit? Um, for Mission Safe, I'm a program manager, so I oversee the after-school programs for high school students and middle school students. Is that your background? <laughs> you kind of got your plate Yeah, I've been, I've been a youth worker for a long time. <laughs> That's what I do. Huh, interesting. I love the kids. 
Yeah. Not those super little ones. I, I can't deal with them. But <laughs> teenagers, I love teenagers. Do you send them to Georgia when they're bad or no? I wish I could. <laughs> <laughs> but you get a lot of joy in that, huh? Yeah, you turn- I love it. I've been I've been working with youth since I was like 16. A lot of people need mentors out there. Yeah, that's what I love to do. I always see myself doing it, even no matter where music goes. I see myself doing it in some capacity. Well, what about music in that? Do you connect the music to that ever? Or you keep it separate completely? I keep it separate. Like, <laughs> my supervisors yeah. and everyone know about it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I don't hide it from them, but yeah. from the kids, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just because of the content. Well, no, yeah. actually, what I mean, uh, that no, that I was going to ask that too, but what about the um, content of the tunes? Oh yeah, no. Like, they, I I, they I try to like help them out with that and yeah. incorporate music like into the programming. Like yeah. I write curriculum and all that stuff, so I try to like incorporate all those things in it. It's kind of funny because I'll have youth that want to do music, mm-hmm. and I'm like giving them advice, but I don't think they're like really understanding. Like, no, I'm actually serious. Like, this is what you should do. <laughs> so, so you started seven years ago seriously. So what happened seven years ago that made you start doing this seriously? I think I just was at a point where I felt really unfulfilled in my life. Yeah. I always wrote music. I always rapped, but only like a few people knew about it. Not like a lot. And I don't think people actually knew that I was still doing it past high school. And I just like randomly rapped for like a couple of my friends and they were like, you're really good. You should do Mm. something with this. And (laughs) I was like, really? (laughs) So I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And here I am seven years later. (laughs) Are you the only one of your, are your buddies that rapped? Yeah. Do you rap with others? Oh, like doing like collaborations and stuff? I'm trying to do more collaborations because I've been very much like, I don't know, I'm weird when it comes to that. I'd be like, I don't want anybody on my songs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to get better about it. Like, and be like, collaboration is great. And they'll bring things to the table. I'm just very, when I hear a beat, I, I want to be the only person on it. I don't want nobody else on it. My first album has no features whatsoever. The second one has only Oompa and Red Shades. And this one has probably the most I've ever done. I think this is the first time working on an album that I would hear beats and I could hear people on it other than me. That's like never happened before. So now I've been like, oh, I hear this person. I should hit them up and see if they want to do a song with me. So that's kind of how it's been going. But that's never happened before. But, you know, there is something about collaboration that is pretty special. What do you like about collaboration when you are doing it? It's good for me because I'm a control freak. Yeah. So, you let so go. I'm like it's able your to song kind of and you like, let it go a little bit? Yes, exactly. And um, the people that I want to collaborate with, I 100% trust them and their vision and their art. So it's been really good for me to be like, okay, you can let go and hmm. be more open because these people are going to make it better than you would by yourself. So that's like a good thing for me but to you know, like the, let go. The difference between I hear that. Uh, a singer-songwriter, folky or something like that, doing a, a collaboration with another musician is that, you know, if I did one with Ron, I'd be like, oh, here are the lyrics I wrote. And, you know, I want you to sing this. I'd sing you, them beautifully. as a rapper, you're not going to give them lyrics. No, I, I wouldn't write their parts. Yeah, um, that's very different from... Oh, because it's so personal, usually. Yeah, and, and yeah. just kind of like, you know, with rappers, that's like a big, like, frowned upon. Like, obviously, people do have ghostwriters. Rap, it's, it's called a ghostwriter for a reason because it's very hidden and kind of, like, shameful. <laughs> To have someone write for you, you're not supposed to have anybody write for you. But that's a connection. It's a it's a personal poetry, and it's a a reaction to 
the music that they're hearing and maybe the story that's being told to them by the others, by the other rapper. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of. That's right. It's emphatic. It's your. You, that's. I never thought of that actually. That typically it's like heartfelt to the core. The best rap. Right? Absolutely. It could be really shallow, but it's still really important that it comes from you. The beauty of hip hop is like we can do party records. We can do sexy records. We could do, you know, black empowerment records. We could do all these things. But if it comes from your heart, that's really what matters most. And yeah. that's why it's kind of like really shameful to have somebody write for you. Yeah. Um, and also, I don't know, just for me as a woman, too, that's usually the question that people ask me first is if I write myself. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Which I, I find really insulting. Yeah, but I people would. absolutely do ask me that a lot. And I'm like, I write everything I rap, period. No one writes for me. It's weird. You know, it's like, <laughs> I was listening to your stuff today. I couldn't imagine. When you hear it, it's so powerful. Thank like you. you can't even like imagine that was scripted from somebody else. Well, I mean, you know? it's, it's, it's graphic. But, Right. Yes. Some of it's a graphic. Which, you know, that's just but me. That's, and that's perfectly fine. <laughs> but I can't imagine someone else writing these graphic lyrics and being like, "This is what I wrote for you," without it being something personal or important to you in some way, shape, or form. Absolutely. Even the non-graphic stuff, you know, whatever. I, I mean, mean like- the things that I rap about are really intentional, <laughs> and I choose to rap about what I do, you know, for my own personal reasons. And I honestly can't see anyone coming to me and being like, "I'm going to write for you." And them really understanding what it means to me mm. or why I'm saying the things that I do. Like mm. I said, everything I say is intentional. That's a Red Shades bar, too, which I love. <laughs> it's like everything I spit is intentional. Like, yeah, it's what I want to say and what I feel I need to say. So I do it. You know, it's interesting because we talked to Kyle Bent. You know Kyle Bent? Yes, I do. I love Kyle so Bent. So we talked to Kyle, I don't know, it must have been a couple of years ago. He said he used to curse in his, in his music and now he, he decided not to anymore. And I remember saying, you know, it's it's like I've had no problem with cursing in music as long as it has a point or it just fits, you know, who you are. I, I think, think that's, that's just I think it's definitely me. Fine. I have a mouth like a sailor. <laughs> Both my parents were in the military. So, oh, really? yeah, Air Force. So, yeah, I just have a mouth like a sailor. So me swearing that much is literally just me. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting so you were were you a uh, uh, what do you call, what do you call those she's brat who go, who, like a military brat yeah military um, brat who just goes from no, base to so base no so my you parents were, were out by the time my mom got pregnant with me interesting. So they were stationed in the Philippines and in Texas oh, oh really yeah. that, that's where they met yes where in the Philippines I think so yeah <laughs> and how did they end up in Boston my mom's from here oh, okay my dad's from Jacksonville from Jacksonville yeah oh, okay you have brothers sisters nope I'm my only child you're an only child. I am. Good for you. I know. <laughs> I told my mom when I was about 10 years old, I said, that's it. I wanted like a brother or sister up until I was 10. And then once I hit 10, I said, no, that's it. There's there's no more after me. I'm good. <laughs> you're, you're good. You were calling the shots. I'm glad you made that decision for them. I was like, yeah, no, we're good here. <laughs> do, they, do they have uh, uh, music or poetry in their blood? Have they um, done that growing up? or My dad is a preacher's kid, so he's sung in church. Mm. My mom is a writer. That's something that she's really good at, that she's always done is write. So huh. I feel like I got like kind of them combined. Yeah. And did you do, is that kind of like a nature-nurture thing? Or were you more of like a, an English kid like a, uh, or more than a science? Oh, yeah, I was absolutely You're, like an English kid. I loved books. 
ever since I can remember. Like, my mom used to take me to High Park Library as a kid, and I would just come out with, like, a stack of books probably as tall as me, like, crush them in, like, a week or two, and then be like, okay, we have to go back because I need more really books. That's really interesting. Yeah. You, had, you, had, you had a problem, in other words. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I still do. Yeah, it's an addiction. Now I read books on my phone, yeah. so now I'm well, never without it. Interesting. Cause I've asked, <laughs> I've asked uh, a lot of our rappers this because of the different amount of language that you need to you need to have. You need to have a command of the yeah, language. Yeah, it's like wordsmithing, you know. And well, Portia Olaviola, you know oh. Portia? Oh, absolutely. I love her. So we interviewed her this past winter. She's amazing. You know, I'm always interested in what books are reading. So you're a voracious reader right now? Absolutely. What are you reading right now? I'm very curious. Right now, this is going to sound weird, but I'm reading Why Does He Do That? Which is about domestic violence. Uh. I'm pretty sure I read it in college before, but I'm reading it again. You've read so many books, you're pretty sure you read a book? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I read it in college. I, I'm like, <laughs> I read a little bit, but like not that much. And I can never imagine saying that. Yeah, no, you I know forget. someone's a big reader. My wife's the same way. She's like, I think I read that. Yeah, you know, you you start reading it again, and you're just like, this seems familiar. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I have read this, but you're like in too like, deep in the way my mind works. I'm like, if it's been too long, I don't remember it anyway, so I might as well read it again. I've done that for a few books. I'll reread a book, but not very often. That's called a comic book, Chuck. No, it's not. <laughs> it's actually I read. Uh, you ever read Ayn Rand, Atlas Shrugged? I haven't. Or, or uh, what's the other one? The Fountainhead. No, I haven't. Right. Oh, that's an intense book, right? They're, they're, they're not nearly it. as hard as you. Just They're just thick. They're not hard <laughs> <Yeah>. to read. <laughs> but they're good. Bo- it's a good story. You may not agree with the politics, which I don't either. But yeah. anyways, I digress. <laughs> um, what good is a podcast without a digression? That's true. Well, yeah, but sorry, that's... go ahead. You had an um. <laughs> um, um. I wanted to talk about something that, uh, well, there was an article written about you about like, hip-hop artists or rappers to watch in the globe was it last spring or last winter no maybe? i think that was that was definitely over the summer it was over the summer yeah okay. it was about a, maybe like a month or so ago so and i think this is from post that article COVID. unless i'm mixing up my articles yeah here. post-covid uh, you talk about trap feminism and i'd never heard of trap feminism do, 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 do you mind talking about what that is absolutely to me trap feminism is a place where people can be comfortable being themselves i didn't really learn a lot about feminism until I was in college. My mom raised me with like those like feminist ideals and like learning about being like a black woman in this country. She raised me that way, but it was never really anything like she named like I'm teaching you these ideals and their feminism. But she taught me a lot of feminist ideals without naming it. Um but when I got to college is when I really learned a lot about feminism and kind of one thing I struggled with was that a lot of times it tends to center certain types of women they're typically you know white women um straight women cisgender women you know upper to middle class women and that was kind of hard for me to deal with because i don't fit into a lot of those categories yeah um so for me trap feminism was really about type of feminism where you can be comfortable being yourself you don't have to feel like you have to move a certain way or speak a certain way like you could be a hood girl and a lot of times when you come from the hood people automatically think that you're stupid some of the smartest minds I know come from Dorchester, Roxbury, Mattapan. Yeah. But people will kind of like discount what you're saying because, of, you know, the way that you speak, you know, our dialect and things like that. So it's like for the hood girls, you know, the disabled girls, the trans girls, the queer girls, you know, the fat girls, like anyone that doesn't feel comfortable in the mainstream image of what a woman should be. 
like trap feminism is for you. Ah, okay, excellent. Trap feminism. You know, so I'm a hug girl. <laughs> you know, we, it just reminds me because a couple weeks, a week ago, we talked with a woman who's a punk her whole life. I love punk that. Punk rock. And it, it, it sort of reminds me of a flare of that, of like not really giving a fuck. Basically, right? Yeah, I think there's a lot of, you know, things I mean, that are similar being, between, like, being a punk girl and being, like, a hood girl. I I'm think there's a lot like, of similarities. I'm not saying, like, you shouldn't care about things, but I'm saying there is a similarity there of, like, being yourself and not conforming, but also... I like the fact that your mom didn't use the word, too, feminism. Yeah, it's like, looking back now, I can, like, call it what it was, which was her putting those ideals in me and being, like this is what it means to be a black woman in this world. And this is what you're going to go through, but this is how you can overcome. And this is how you can persevere. She was always really, really big on that. But yeah, I do think it's kind of dope that it, it just never had a name. It was just kind of ideals that she instilled in me so that I could be like the best version of myself that I could be. And one thing that she was really big on is just me not making myself small to fit into certain spaces hmm. she was like you need to be yourself and sometimes being yourself you're going to be too big for certain spaces and that's okay that means that space isn't for you and there are going to be people that are always going to accept you for who you are and what you believe in and what you stand up for but it's going to be hard it's hmm. going to be harder for you but that's okay well you're in a ver- we're in a very interesting time right now where what people want to be called it's now almost becoming standard. I mean, I'm, I go, I'm going to school right now at Northeastern and people will put... Go Huskies. I she, went to Northeastern. Oh, you did? Yeah. I did too. I, I, I was undergrad Northeastern a long, long time ago. What did you graduate with? Human services. Human services. Oh, that's My associate is in criminal justice. Oh. Excellent. All right. Fellow Husky. Yeah. Didn't yeah. you see my hat? Yeah. This is like, go. go Huskies. You see my, you, you, like my hat? That's the above the basement hat. That one's fly too. I need me above, above, above the, the I have like too much hair right now for hats. I have, <laughs> I have no hair for we hats. Need, we so need, do we have a hat, an extra hat? Uh, I don't have one with me. But we'll we have can, to send we you can, one. We can, we can Yay, get thank you. Yeah. But, you know, but now it's, it's kind of becoming a, a standard. And as a matter of fact, the first time I'd seen this kind of thing was last, not this past summer, the summer before I went to the there's a podcast uh, convention, which was a hoot. It actually was. It was a lot of fun. I'd never seen this before. They had pins, and you pick what pin you are, whether you're he, him, she, her. Pronouns. Pronoun- yeah. yeah, whatever it's like the, an pro- email whatever the pronoun address, yeah. was. And I was like, and I'd never seen it before. Yeah. I was like, what is this? My daughter's in 12. She's 12, and she's got a kid in the class who's they. Mm-hmm. And it's not bizarre to my daughter. I think that's like you so know, beautiful. It's like, it's this next generation, like even with my kids now that I work with, we always talk about when we're introducing ourselves, like we do like a check-in when we start the day. Yeah. And when we're getting to know each other, we always start with my name is Brandy and my pronouns are she, her. Mm-hmm. Um, so that they get used to that. And I think that's really beautiful that that's the generation that they're yeah. coming up in, which is like you can really, it's much more accepted now to just really truly be who you are. Like there's still a long way to go, but yeah. Yeah. I think that's beautiful that like they normalize that and they'll go up to people that they don't know and be like, hi, what's your name and what's your pronouns? To me, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting how this all of a sudden started happening. I think it's great. I mean, I, maybe 
and maybe you know East Coast and, and West well, that's Coast the thing. are very it's different very, depending on where you are. But it's very geographical, right? You know, we I live mean, up north; is is much more liberal and just here. yeah. But but I feel like also you know with the internet and social media, you're able to reach mm. these kids in areas that's true where it's much more conservative and much more rigid. But they can go online and meet yeah. a group of friends yeah. and be themselves and they don't they still can feel that support that you know no, someone wouldn't point. get 20 years ago no that's a good point that has changed that has really changed things your mom said to you there's going to be people that are going to accept you you usually hear the opposite a lot of times you hear parents or you hear the narrative that say you know there's going to be people that are not going to accept you right and that and that's true but i think the positive narrative is very um refreshing yeah, I mean, because she also used to exist. tell me um, the. <laughs> this is her other favorite phrase. She told me this all the time, especially because I'm an only child. Um, she said, "The world might not love you the way that I do." <laughs> so I used to get it both ways. She was like, "There's gonna be people that really accept you for who you are, and that's beautiful." Mm. But the world isn't gonna love you the way that I do. And thinking about it now, like as an adult, I'm like, "Yo, that's like a really crazy message to instill in a kid." But I think it's also kind of important. I think that's what kept me from being like a brat. <laughs> as an only child yeah unconditional love that's like really i love you unconditionally but the world is not but there are going to be people that accept you and that's where you should be at yeah uh i did want to get not that that wasn't deep but i want i did want to talk about the current state of affairs with black lives matter and everything that's been going on and it seems to just be continuing i don't know if I'm, it's kind of an open question but you know how are you feeling about things or how are you uh dealing with the news that's coming out with when the not guilty and the guys just being charged for shooting into the drywall and all that kind of crap. I think it's, it's kind of really unfortunate because I feel like you get to a place where you almost get like numb mm-hmm. because it's so mm-hmm. much and it's been happening so long when I feel like that numbness of like, this is like a lot. I really try to make sure that I step back and like really decompress and like process because I don't want to get to a place where I feel like I don't care anymore because it keeps happening. It's tough. It's things that happen on a regular basis. What happened with Breonna Taylor and, and that decision coming out, you know, when it's another black woman, it kind of, it, it hits me a little bit differently because mm. she looks like someone that could be my sister or be my cousin. I know so many black women that look just like her. And to think like you can't even like exist. There's nowhere where you're technically like safe from being you know a black woman or being black it's depressing it's kind of hard to like find that balance i'm someone that i really love (laughs) being black there's no other way to say that but like our culture and our history is something that i'm very proud of and i love you know my people and i love you know our language our music our dances our inside jokes just like all the amazing parts that come from being black but then there's just that really, really painful part that's kind of hard for me to deal with at times. And I just do my best to stay present and use my voice and use, you know, whatever platform I have to speak out against injustices on my community. But there are times where it's hard and I don't know if I can do it. Hmm. I keep going because I really I think that's one of the main facets of being a black person in America is resiliency you literally have no choice it's that resiliency that's kind of like instilled in us for generations of having to deal with this and you know each generation it gets a little bit better do you feel hopeful 
I do sometimes and sometimes I don't. I'm lucky enough that I knew my great great grandmother. Really? She died when I was eight. So I have a picture of five generations goodness, how old of women in my family. She was in her 90s when my she goodness, passed. That's great. I was eight years old. My great grandmother died um, when I was in my 20s. Huh. So I'm really blessed that I know like all of these generations of like incredible women in my own family. Yeah. And that's really what keeps me going is when I think about you, you, what my yeah. great great grandmother went through in order for me to be here. I can't ever stop. I have to keep going. And it's if torch. I have kids one day, I just want to make sure that I continue that legacy of all these incredible, strong, powerful black women that came before me. I just want to make sure that I'm doing the best that I can to make sure that the generation that comes after me has it better the way that they did for me. Even my um, my great grandmother, her husband owned like the first black funeral home in Westchester County, New York. Hmm. Yeah. That's like what I come from, like my mom being an Air Force veteran, you know, my grandmother having five kids and getting her high school diploma and becoming a paralegal at like 28 years old after having five kids. She had my mom at 14. That's what I come from. You feel responsibility? Yeah, absolutely. Like I have to do the best I can with the little bit of time I have on earth and I have to make it better for those that come after me. And that's always going to be my goal and my mission. I feel that way even as a rapper. Well, it's a voice. It's that, but also like being a Boston rapper is such a unique position mm, mm. to Why? be in. Um, we're not known as a hip-hop destination the way Atlanta or New York or LA or Houston or even St. Louis is. There's been so many hip-hop pioneers that have come from here, but in the genre, we don't really get the respect that I feel like we deserve. So I always really strongly felt that even if I don't take off in the way that I want to, I feel like I did a lot to try to make it better for the younger generation that comes after me. And I'm happy with that. Like I could sleep at night and be like, I yeah. don't have any what ifs, even if it doesn't work out the way that I want. I know that I did what I had to do and I've reached back to make sure that I know the generation coming up under me and that I could offer that hand back. That's something that like Mo Pope has done mm. for us which is really use his voice and his platform to really make it better for us. We wouldn't really be in the position that we are without him. Or you think about like Ed OG and all the things that he's done to make it better for all of us right now. And that's really how I try to operate. If I don't become a mainstream name, I don't really care about that, honestly. I just be like, did I make it better for those coming after me? That's really all I care about. There's a lot of work to do, especially in Boston. There's a lot of work that needs to be done in Boston, but I bleed green. I don't know no other way to put it. Like my mom, I'm a third generation Bostonian <laughs> at that Boston sports teams. I was, I'm a fan of all the teams anyway, but I don't think I could be a fan of any other team if I wanted to. What's your sport of choice? Football. Football? Yeah. Yeah. Did you watch the game today? Really? I was at work. So I came home and I seen like he the last there. five minutes. <laughs> now, that was actually the most important five minutes. Actually. Yeah, no, it was great. I love that. The Celtics so, game tonight, which is you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're all over it. Uh, let's talk about music. Late Bloomer. Is that the most recent album? Yes. But you said you, this is your third album. I'm working on my third album right you're now. You're working on your third album. Yes. Okay, so this is your second album. Yeah. And your first album was that like a mixtape that you'd put together or something? Um, I thought mixtape I read it was like a mi album. Like I don't really care what you call it. I feel like I just do like full bodies of work. So yeah, I'd be yeah, like, yeah. my first one came out in 2016, and then Late Bloomer came out 2019. 
and so, then this one will come out next year. In 2018. And so what's the name of the new album? Um, can't tell yet. Uh, can't tell. Is that awesome? Yeah, no, okay. but um, I'm very lucky to be a lab grant recipient through the Boston Foundation. So Sorry, congrats. Thank you. That's right. So I'm very, very blessed. No one was more shocked than me. That's a Live Arts Boston grant? Is that yes. What it is? Yes. So the Boston Foundation announced it recently? Yeah. Like, yeah. So what does that mean? What, it, what, what happens next? Yeah. So basically, I have a year to present my next body of work to the public. Mm-hmm. Um, the grant is five figures, which is life changing for me. Both of my first two projects were 100% funded by me. Yeah. Um, I had to borrow some money here and there to make it happen. But <laughs> shout out to my team because yeah. I definitely had to borrow money to make the last one happen. But um, this is my first project that's like 100% funded, which is like scary, but super dope because I feel like I could really go crazy. Like I just have like all these big ideas. Um, I'm really proud of Late Bloomer. I love it. But I had to scale down what I Mm. wanted to do for Late Bloomer. I feel like Late Bloomer is probably about 75% of what I actually wanted to do. So now it's like I actually have the funding to like go crazy and like do the 100% of like what's in my head. Where are you going to, where are you recording it? So I'm recording with Sham at Dorchester Art Project. The tracks are still being mixed by my engineer, um, Fresh from DE. Do you have a producer? I work with a couple different producers. I'm trying to like stay local for this one. Yeah, Yeah. good. Um, But my engineer is in LA, so we record the vocals here, and then we send it to him in LA, and then we kind of like go back and forth and make sure it sounds good. Interesting. And where is the music coming from? This project, I'm working with a lot of... This is probably the most local producers I've ever worked with. So I have records from South End's Finest, Extramentals, um, Hum Beats. I'm trying to get one from Rilla Forest because I love him to death. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to keep it much, much more local than I've ever done before. Great. I love to hear that. We uh, were talking about how no one's signed anymore. It reminds me of that, though. You're, give, you're given this opportunity. Yeah. But it's also kind of, it's it's super dope because I also just have 100% creative control. Right. And I think that's that's like the right. main difference from being signed. Lab- right. I don't have, have an exec that's... being like, that's not it. You can't do that. You well, can't do this. Right. I can literally do anything I want. I will say that this one is going to be a visual album. How do you mean? It will be accompanying a film, Beyonce's Lemonade. It's like a huge point of reference for me, like hmm. a huge inspiration. Okay. So it will be a visual album where... There will be a narrative that you're following, but um, I'm actually working with Jay Hunt from um, Smokehouse. We used to call them in the old days concept albums. Well, Late Bloomer was a concept album because it had the skits. So it was basically like the concept of Late Bloomer was, you know, the guy showing up to my house. Um, It was Mr. PSA. Mr. PSA. Yes. I love that guy. I love him too. Who is that guy? Um, He's incredible. He's like a comedian, a host, a rapper. He's on the North Shore. I love the idea of like these interludes don't you miss interludes on albums because i do yeah <laughs> i feel like albums don't have them like that anymore it's Upa's, really interesting Upa had a lot of incredible interludes on cleo because you had something that was karma i think it was called yeah there's um there's one i wrote down that's uh like you that's a great tune thank you thank I, you i like i mean i like all your stuff but i, I like some of those kind of smooth like kind of groove I really like doing records like that. I feel like when people see me live, I tend to do more of the hype stuff. 
Because mm. I'm like, you're here. We're, you want to party, right? Yeah. Right. It's, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like with streaming shows now, though, I, I have like way much more control. I could be like, okay, listen, this is what you're going to get because I literally can't hear any feedback anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So this I can do what I want. <laughs> this is one way. How do you think things are going to, once we're out of this COVID thing, whenever that is, what do you think is going to happen to Boston music and Boston hip hop. Do you have like an, a thought? I think there's going to be an amazing release of brand new music, of inventive music, of artists maybe you've even heard before. You know, I, I just think we're going to get back to the roots of like a visual art, of, of people going to shows, of community and music. I mean, I just, I really feel like that's going to happen. I 100% agree. I think when we're able to function back more normally, whatever that new normal is going to be like, I think it's going to be crazy. Like, especially those first shows, it's yeah. like safe and we could really be like at capacity. I think oh. it's going to be insane. I'm super excited. I cannot wait to go back. And one thing I think that's come out of this, like I always try to find like a silver lining in things so I'm not depressed because when COVID first happened, I was ready to retire. I was like, right. this yeah, is I it. it. I was like, I had so much momentum when COVID happened. I was booked out till December. So having months of shows and I was supposed to go on my first tour. I was supposed to go on tour in the UK. So all of that got canceled mm -hmm. and it was really depressing. And I was like, you know what? I'm I don't think I could you. do this anymore. I was ready to like hang it up. But um, thanks to DJ Y Sham, she really like propped me up and we got our first um, offer to do a show. And she was like, okay, come on. We're getting offers again. Let's go. So I was like, all right, I guess I'm not retiring. But one thing that has really come out of it that I look at as the silver lining is like, as artists, as community, we're a lot more connected, ironically, mm. than we were before. Because it's like, we lost out on so much, but it made us get creative. And it made us reach out totally. to each other more so we can stay connected. You know, we're we're building more. We're, we're doing more songs. I have, this is probably the most offers for collaborations for me. Like, people wanting verses from me that I've ever had. Because people just have that time now. And to me, that's beautiful. And then also just the innovation that comes from it the innovation i think is something that i probably would have never really thought of because i'm very much a i hate to call myself a purist because i feel like when you talk about purists in hip-hop they're usually like really elitist and it's mm. annoying mm. but i am very much a mc and a dj that's what i love it's not that i don't love like live music with rap it's not that i've never done it or that i don't plan to like build a band at some point but right. I, I very much like love the MC and the DJ. And I think especially when you have someone that has the type of energy like me and DJ Sham do, like that just kind of like makes it even more like fun and entertaining. But I really had to get like creative and be like, yo, what could we do that's different? Like I'm thinking about that now, like um, my third album, I have to present to the public by June, 2021. I don't think that we'll be back to normal by then. So in my mind, I'm really thinking of how do I present this in a live way? But what can I do to do like a live show that's like mm. innovative and completely, completely different from anything that's been done out here? It's it's a different creative muscle that for it forced, I think, forced creative people to come out and Absolutely. To, to do much more. Absolutely. Because we're very react. We're very reactive. This thing happened to all of us. And uh, I don't think people would have been this creative if it didn't happen. That's a silver lining. Or even just yeah. like all the other artists, because I watch Bunker Buds. Bunker Buds with Walter. Yes, because I, I, I love them anyway. But I watch that and I'm like, yo, this is amazing. 
Walter yeah. Sickert's Bunker Buds. I love Walter so much. I, I love He's the great. whole group. His brain is just like on a whole other planet anyway. But then like seeing what he can do, like just being in his house is like insane to me. He's like a Pee Wee Herman, like but like a psychotic Pee Wee Herman. Or like um I watched like yeah. old school game show. I love yeah, them yeah. too. Like so I, they just had like their stream and I was all on there because I thought it was I, I love them. I think they're hilarious. Um or you know, Oop has the new shit show and you know, hip story. Yep, you know, right. all of those things where they're like, yo, they're really recreating energy, but you're in your house. Which, you know, to me, sometimes it's kind of good because I, I can be a homebody. So I'm like, if I could be at home with no bra on, I'm with it. So <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Right? Right. Sometimes you got to let the girls hang, right? So, <laughs> But it's, it's kind of dope to kind of watch these things. And you're like, yo, I feel like I'm there. And like how creative and amazing all of these different artists are. It inspires the hell out of me. And it makes me be like, yeah, I really got to step my game up yeah. if I'm going to do anything because... I don't want it to be just ordinary. I don't really want it to be what you would expect when you see me in person. Yeah. I want you to still get that vibe from when you see me in person, like all that energy, mm. but I want it to like manifest in like a different way, like a different presentation. And like, I'm so inspired by everybody right now. Uh, thank you for sitting with us. Oh my God, this was so much fun. You guys are like amazing. Uh, I, I know we are. We I are. feel like we were like really bonded. Ron, I think we did. <laughs> Ron, not so much, but I think I'm pretty cool. Yeah, well, we love, Chuck and I have loved each other for 10 years, but it's love hate. <laughs> I feel like this I is a new that. love. Yeah, yeah, this is like, you know, we're like in the honeymoon stage right now. We could stay in the honeymoon I stage I feel the forever. same way with like yeah. Oompa and Dutch and Mo and like all of oh our... Oh my God. Like, I feel like whenever we see each other, I feel like there's a there's a connection. I That's one thing I really, really <laughs> love about the rap scene out here that people, I feel like, don't really take seriously because I feel like a lot of times people think that we're faking, that we like love each other. Everyone that I have met out here has been amazing and like really embracing of me and embracing of other artists and and just like the community that we've built is really really special and really really genuine like we have group chats we talk like on a regular basis like i think especially with dutch i love her to death so much but i'm like actually like a dutch rebel groupie like for real for real (laughs) yeah yeah, so i actually remember the first time she remembered my name Really? Because it was like the, one of the best moments of my life. And then I got to open for her. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. But she's <laughs> such a sweetheart. And you would think like someone like as big as her with like the huge following that she has, you know, one of the sweetest people I've ever met. Yeah, I'm, we're always worried that if we talk to a, an artist, that they're going to be a jerk. Yeah, and, and, I'm, I'm, and I'm like, that's please don't be jerking me like We've had 160 episodes. There's only one jerk. Really? Yeah. That's really good odds. Yeah, pretty much only one jerk. Yeah. Wow. You're going to be episode but 161. But he's been the same jerk by the in way. every episode. It's been him. <laughs> yeah. I can accept that. Um, no, he's a sweetheart. I can accept that. No, but, both of you guys um, are sweethearts. I appreciate the both well, of thank you. you. And congratulations again on yeah, your nomination. Yeah, you too. Congratulations. Oh, right Love the fingers crossed for you. Yeah. We're gonna and see you in the chat. Yeah, we'll see you. In the yeah, chat, we're, we're uh, gonna be Boston. in the chat for the Boston Music Awards. I'll be All like, right. "What's up, guys?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna send you mad emojis. It's gonna be cute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna send you a mad emoji. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate you coming out here. Thank you, guys. It was great to have you. That was awesome. All right. We would like to thank Brandy for talking with us. She is awesome. You can find her on Facebook and Instagram. Her name is spelled Brandy with an I E. And you can listen to her music on Spotify and purchase it wherever fine music is sold. 
But before listening on Spotify, please be sure to purchase her music from her first. Just a quick PSA. And don't forget to vote for Brandy and ATB for the Boston Music Awards. Support us and Boston Music by voting at bostonmusicawards.com forward slash vote. And finally, go to AboveTheBasement.com. You can sign up for our newsletter, listen and subscribe to our podcast, like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, and look at all the nice pictures we post on Instagram. We are everywhere. From all of us at Above the Basement, please vote. Please wear a mask. Please stay six feet away from each other. Thank you for listening. Tell your friends. And remember, Boston music, like its history, is unique.